So today this sermon is really a message of empowerment from God's Word for us all. You see, in the context of our passage today, we'll discover that God freely and generously pours out on His Spirit on anyone who calls on His name, irrespective of your gender, your age, your ethnicity, your social class, or your past. See, your outward status makes no difference to God because as God says... In the last days, so last days is talking about since Christ has come until he returns. In these last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Now, the word pour out here in the original language here has got the sense of like a monsoonal downpour of water. Okay, so when he says pour out, he's like, I've opened the floodgates of the spirit upon uh, my people. And as we'll come to see... This is incredibly encouraging for us all because God gives His Spirit to empower us to reach the lost and to enable us to do anything and everything He calls us to do, no matter what it is. He abundantly empowers us to serve Him and empowers us by the Spirit of the living God, who, as I prayed, created the universe with a Word, who is Almighty. That Almighty God lives in us. By His Spirit. And it's all because God's grace has no limits. God's grace has no limits. Unfortunately, we place limits on God and each other though, don't we? We do place limits on each other. We place limits on how God can use us or others depending on our gender, our age, our ethnicity, social class or past. But we're going to debunk these lies today from God's Word so that you might be set free to share the gospel and serve the Lord without limits. How does that sound? I think this could be great encouragement to us all. So let me say this. My hope today is at the end of the sermon, you feel that you can spread your wings and fly for Jesus. (laughs) Now, in order for us to do this, though, to serve God without limits, we first need to understand our passage today in its context because... This will inform our understanding of what God is trying to say to us. So let me set the scene for you. People are from, come, have come from all over the world, both Jews and converts to Judaism. Uh, they've come to Jerusalem to celebrate the festival known as the Feast of Harvest or the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost, which means 50th or the 50th day. Now, these are all one and the same festival. But what made this international Jewish audience come from so far and wide to celebrate this particular occasion? Well, traditionally, they came to celebrate the grain harvest, which took place 50 days after the Passover. But as time went on, they also came to celebrate the day when Moses received the law, which they reckon happened 50 days after Exodus. Okay, so that's why they came. That's what brought them. But in our story today, this Pentecost celebration came to mean something so much more for many of them and for us as believers too. Because on that day, seven weeks or 50 days after Jesus' resurrection, during the celebration of Pentecost, they were, uh, the Holy Spirit was abundantly poured out upon them as the first followers. And they were mightily empowered for their mission. So much so, they reaped a harvest of 3,000 new believers 
as Peter preached. And as a result, get this, the New Testament church was born with the coming of the Holy Spirit to indwell all believers. So it was a significant day that the first followers receive what has been promised in the Scriptures for hundreds, thousands of years. The Spirit has now come upon His followers in, in power and the, the, the New Testament church is born and on that day, Peter preached his first sermon, and it was a cracker. 3,000 people trusted in the Lord. I wish, I mean, even a 20 would do, you know. It's a, it's a wonderful sermon. Now, with this context in mind, uh, on the day when the Spirit came to fulfill God's promises in the law and the prophets, this context in mind of God's abundant outpouring of His Holy Spirit, we learn today that the same Spirit empowers us to share the gospel to all people and to serve the Lord without limits. But as we said, we place limits on gods and each other, don't we? We do. We do it all the time. So we're going to debunk these myths today by addressing five human limitations we put on God and others, starting with the limitation of gender. Now, in the church, in the workplace, in the society, we can put limits on the opposite sex, especially women. But when it comes to empowering us to serve Him, God doesn't limit us. Because Peter, who is quoting the prophet Joel, says this, In the last days, again, the time between when Jesus came and when He returns, God says, I will pour out My Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, even among my servants, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. And they will prophesy. Now, do you hear that? God will abundantly pour out his spirit on all people, on your sons and daughters, on men and women, irrespective of their outward status. And in that context, in that culture, uh, there was a different status between men and women. Now, the result of this generous gift of the Holy Spirit is made clear when Peter quotes the prophecy. On both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. What does that mean? Because not all Christians are prophets, right? Are you a prophet? I don't think I'm a prophet, okay? We're not all prophets. No, in this context, the verb will prophesy is really talking about men and women who will know God and make him known by declaring his word to the world. You see, the heart of prophecy is God making himself known through his word. That's the heart of prophecy, God making himself known through his word. And so Peter tells us God will empower us all by his spirit to proclaim his word to the nations, to prophesy. And so when it comes to the powerful pouring out of his Holy Spirit, God places no limitations on our gender. He equally pours out his Spirit on men and women alike to serve him wholeheartedly and powerfully. Now let me say this so there's no confusion. As men and women, uh, we may have different roles in the church, in our families, even in society, but whatever God calls us to do, he will empower us to do it. He will empower us to do it. And what He most clearly calls us to do through the power of His Spirit is to share the gospel with others, is to share the good news with others. We are called to do this. So let me encourage you to do this because He's calling us to step up and step out by sharing the gospel with our friends, with our neighbours, with our work colleagues, random strangers, and to all people we meet. 
After all, God's grace has no limits and God makes no distinction when it comes to giving us His Spirit and using us to extend His kingdom. So God can use you no matter whether you're a man or a woman for His incredible glory. And we see that throughout the Scriptures too. Now the second limitation we often put on others is the limitation of their age. The limitation of their age. Now in Australia where we often glorify those who are young, attractive, and healthy. I mean, let's be honest, you don't regularly see in those fancy women's magazines or whatever, like really like 90-year-olds wearing some sexy outfit, do you? I mean, you don't see that, right? I mean, that sounds kind of weird. But, but we see young, attractive people, going, you know, and we think, well, they're pretty good looking, right? Now, our society worships youth, don't we? And the young and the attractive. And we all too regularly dismiss the value of the more elderly amongst us. But God doesn't place limits on those who are older. He's not ageist. In fact, the very opposite. God affirms the value of the elderly and he empowers them equally by his spirit. Peter touches on this when he quotes Joel's prophecy saying, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people, all people. Your old men will dream dreams. Now, old men, are you dreaming dreams? I'm let me know, no. Um, you know, old men or old women, doesn't matter. Uh, the point is this. Those of you who are older, uh, when it comes to this, where, where those who are older amongst us are not limited to dreaming dreams. You know, Martin Luther, the great and, and wonderful um, uh, reformer, says, prophesying visions and dreams are all one thing. They all come through the gift of the Holy Spirit, and they all lead to knowing God and making Him known. In other words, just as the Holy Spirit empowers men and women to proclaim His Word, so too He empowers the elderly to do the same. Now, that's not a huge surprise, but it's important to say that's true. We're not limited by our age. But to those of you who are older and have invested in your relationship with God, you have one distinct advantage over many of us. Do you know what that advantage is? Wisdom. Wisdom. As the book of Job says, wisdom belongs to the aged and understanding to the old. And those who are older should speak, for wisdom comes with age. Now, of course, God's Spirit can give anyone wisdom, right? But as we all know, with old age comes experience. And those who have sought to follow and obey God through those experiences, they gain Wisdom. They gain wisdom. Wisdom that is able to help and guide others in need. And let me say, it seems in our society more than ever, we need the wisdom of those of you who are older and are mature in your faith with our young people. Because it seems that more and more our young people are so incredibly misguided and lost. What an incredible privilege you have, if you're within that category, to help in a profoundly important way those who are young. Do you think you're limited by your age? Absolutely not. It's the complete opposite. So far from age being a limitation in God's economy, it can be an incredible blessing, especially to those of us, and I'll include myself in that boat, who are younger, who are willing to listen to wise and godly counsel of our elders. Because isn't it interesting, in our society, we kind of write off the elderly, and uh, if anything, they're a burden on society. I mean, that's, I mean, the society will say that, do you know what I mean? Like, it's very disrespectful, our society kind of disregards the elderly. 
but not in God's economy, not in God's economy. Now, let me say this. I know I am incredibly thankful for the wise counsel of older and godly men and women in my life. Uh, Pastor Matthew's not here, but people like Pastor Matthew, my mom and others who've helped to steer me on the right course when I've started veering in the wrong direction. People who've given me wise advice when I needed it who have learnt from their own mistakes and difficulties and have helped to guide me so I didn't make the same mistakes myself, or at least they helped me to limit the damage of those mistakes. The point is that I am incredibly thankful for the older and wiser people in my life who've given me great wisdom and discernment and really saved me from making some stupid decisions at times. Which begs the important question, do you have godly older people like that in your own life? And if you're elderly, do you have godly people who may be a similar age but are more mature than you that can also give you wisdom and counsel? Well, let me say this. If you don't, seek them out because age is not a limiting factor in God's economy. It can be a huge blessing to us. The best way to learn is to learn from others rather than having to go through the hard yards ourselves. And just before I move on, let me say this, especially to you who are older amongst us. God can use you mightily in His service, no matter what your age. Let me give you some examples. How old was Moses when he went into the service of God, when he went to Pharaoh? Does anyone have any idea how old he was? 80. He was 80 years old when he started his ministry. Does anyone know how old... Abraham was when God called him to go uh, to Haran and, and, and he made all these wonderful promises in Genesis 12. You'll be blessed to all nations, all this stuff. Does anyone know how old Abraham was when he started his ministry? 75. 75. There are stories again and again in the Scriptures of God mightily using men and women of God who were older and God used profoundly and mightily. Do you think your age is a limitation to God using you? Absolutely not. Moses and Abraham, they were kicking goals. <laughs> in fact, for those who still have quality of life, now is the perfect time for you to step out and serve God. Because for most of you, you probably won't have the limitation of kids living at home with you or they're not so dependent on you. You probably won't be limited by work because many of you would be retired. The point is you have remarkable freedom to contribute to God's kingdom and His work. Now, with that in mind, what does that look like for you, okay? What does it look like for you? It might be for you serving in a ministry in our church. It might mean for you serving in a parachurch organization. It might mean for you uh, doing a short-term mission trips or mission trips. It might mean for you long-term mission. It could mean one of many, many things, but what does that mean for you? And even if your body's not catching up with you, or your body has caught up with you, if you know what I'm saying, let me say that the prayers of the saints, of the elderly, godly people, is a powerful, powerful, powerful thing. And I am deeply thankful for your prayers and the prayers for our church. What does it look like for you? Let me encourage you to heed the words of C.S. Lewis who says this, the great C.S. Lewis. This is what he says. You are never too old to set a new goal or dream a new dream. Isn't that great? You are never too old to set a new goal or dream a new dream, especially when it comes to serving God, because in God's economy, you don't have to be limited by age. Moses, Abraham, you don't need to be. Now, the third limitation we often put on others is the limitation of ethnicity. 
Now, with the rise of political parties like One Nation in fairly recent history, uh, the, the race-hate riots in Cronulla, the Australian government's tough stance on boat people and the long and coloured history of the treatment of Aboriginal people in our nation, what's clear is racism and the limitations placed on certain ethnicities is still with us. It's still very much alive in Australia. But what couldn't be more abundantly clear is that God doesn't place limits on ethnicity. In fact, that's the beauty of the gospel, that it's for all people, regardless of colour or creed, and we are the great benefactors of that good news. And that's the heart of this prophecy that Peter proclaims, that in the last days, God says, I'll pour out my Spirit on all people, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So the gospel is for everyone. Salvation is for everyone, for all who believe in Christ. And this is, get this, because you might go, yeah, yeah, of course I know that, but get this. What a powerful witness this is to the people of this world, because the good news doesn't just tell the world you can all be reconciled to God. It also tells them you can be reconciled with each other. That's the beauty of the gospel. It's not just about a vertical reconciliation with God. It's a horizontal reconciliation with each other. God makes us brothers and sisters. He makes us family. It's a beautiful thing. And we wouldn't know each other if it wasn't for Christ. And I celebrate the diversity in our church. In fact, that's the Fairfield City motto, celebrating diversity. That's very biblical. Because you see, we have been made one in Christ and what a joy it is. What a joy it is from all the richness that we bring together with our cultures and our ethnicity and all the delicious food we eat each week and all the wisdom that comes from different cultures' perspectives. What a blessing that is. And we experience that blessing here at Parkside. Now that's what Paul clearly tells us in Galatians chapter 3, that through faith in Christ, we are united not only to God as his children now, but each other as brothers and sisters. So as believers, we are now all one in Christ Jesus, just like a marriage. And that means we are united in such a way that the things would, would, that would normally distinguish us, race, rank, or sex, are of no account. The gospel removes such limitations so that we might be united as one people. So there's no room for racism amongst us. There's no room for limitations when it comes to our ethnicity Paul says it like this, For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have, have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true, true children of Abraham. You are his heirs and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Did you hear that? We are equal in Christ, equal in our salvation. And this equality results in creating fellowship between us as brothers and sisters. And you know, before I preached today, um, I was just thinking, like genuinely, I was just thinking, how good is this? How good is this? I'm here with my family who love Jesus. We're seeking to love Jesus together. We love each other, imperfectly sure, but we love each other. We enjoy fellowship together. Man, this is, this is pretty good. <laughs> This is pretty good. And it's because of Jesus. How good is that? Who's made us one. You know, in my time, 14 years here at Parkside, we've had riots at Marconi Club. We've had extremist 
Muslim things happening over there. We've had all sorts of interesting stuff happen in our community. Uh, what screams disunity. But this church continues to shine as a beacon of what unity looks like and that's found in Jesus, who brings peace. The dividing wall is broken. He brings peace between us all. So the good news breaks down barriers that once divided us. Of course, this doesn't mean that racial, social, and sexual distinctions are obliterated by our unity. It's not like they're abolished. As Christians, we recognize and we celebrate our differences and diversity. After all, we're made differently. We're gifted in different ways. We do come from different cultures. And some of us are men and some of us are women. (laughs) But in Christ, these differences no longer create a barrier for our fellowship between us. These limitations have been removed. So now we recognize each other as equals, brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's what the gospel does. And that's what this church is all about. That's what this church is all about. Because that's what the gospel is all about. Now, the fourth limitation we often put on others is the limitation of class. And as we've seen just in Galatians 3, in Christ there's no distinction in our rank or our class. It doesn't matter where you grew up. Uh, what school you went to, whether you, uh, you're a cleaner or a doctor or what caste system you were born into, uh, and even still in some cultures, whether you're male or female, Paul says there is no longer slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. In Christ, no limitations are put on your class or your rank in society. So snobbery is forbidden and class distinctions are rendered void. Now, we live in a society where that is absolutely not true. There is definitely underlying currents of snobbery for sure, right? Uh, What school you went to, what job you have, uh, where you come from in Sydney, uh, there's a whole bunch of things that people will judge you by, but not in God's economy. There is no such thing. So it's quite powerful. Listen to this, it's cool. In Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost that the disciples, the disciples God chose to speak to all the crowds in all sorts of different languages were Galileans. What does that mean? What, what's the big deal about that? You see, Galileans had a reputation of being uncultured and apparently, from what I was reading, they had difficulty in speaking some other language. They couldn't pronounce some of the guttural sounds. So they were looked down on as being country bumpkins, (laughs) okay? It's the country bumpkins come to Jerusalem in the big city. Look at these guys. Are you serious? They've come with their utes and all the stuff they have on them. You know, it's like, oh, the Galileans, you know? It must be Easter show again. It's kind of of this perspective they're having. And that's a key reason why why we read the crowd was Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? (laughs) You see, God is not limited by class or rank. He He chooses to use us and empower us no matter who we are, as long as we trust, follow, and obey Him. Isn't that a beautiful thing? So even in India, if you're in the caste system and you're of the lowest caste system, if you're a Dalit, in God's economy, you are equal to a Brahmin. And in God's economy, God can equally use you. God can use all of us. It doesn't matter if you say Peter like Peter or Peter. <laughs> God can use you. Let me tell you a story. I have shared this before, but I must share it because it's just a beautiful thing. When I was at Bible College, first degree at Bible College at SNBC, uh, there was a man named Laurie. He was a big Islander guy. Just 
sort of guy you just want to hang out with, you know, just full of joy. And even though we had some remarkable lecturers, remarkable godly men and women there, uh, the person I most respected was Laurie. And he was the cleaner. He was the cleaner of the college. And you know what I respected so much about him, and I do to this day, is that even though his job, of course, was to clean and look after us, he would go the extra mile. So, for example, if we're stressed out, he'd come into our rooms and he'd give us a massage. <laughs> or uh, when we're in the middle of exams and stressed out and don't really want to leave our rooms, he would make this whole kitchen. He'd just buy all this food, like cheesels and chocolate and all sorts of stuff, and we'd, you know, he'd charge us peanuts, and we could buy those things. Or he'd have us to his home, and he'd have that big island of hospitality. We'd eat like kings, and he'd say, thank you for coming and bless you for leaving. Um, I always, I always, I love that. I, I use that. Um, what I love about him is that, you know, in society, pff, he's a nobody, right? But in God's economy, he was a great man of God. And I genuinely say that. I respect him more than the, even the greatest lecturers that were at that college. Because in God's economy, God doesn't place limitations on class. He, if we're obedient and we trust and follow him, he can use us mightily. Praise the Lord, hey? What, a, what, what incredible good news we have that, that we are not limited, <laughs> that what the world says is rubbish and God says, no, you are so important, so important and special to me. It's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Now, the final limitation then that we often put on others or even on ourselves is the limitation of the past. According to the world, or sometimes according to our families or others, or even sometimes according to ourselves, our past limits our ability to serve God and be used by Him. But that is rubbish, absolute rubbish. Just look at the Apostle Paul, who essentially was a Jewish terrorist uh, seeking to destroy the church and kill Christians, who was saved and became perhaps the greatest apostle of all time. Or what about King David, who in his worst moments was an adulterer and a murderer? Or what about Peter, the very one who's giving this speech? He'd abandoned Christ and denied him three times. I mean, these guys had a speckled past. Yet God forgave and transformed these people and used them mightily in his service. So if God can forgive and use them, if he can forgive and use a terrorist... <laughs> Don't you think he can forgive and use you? Don't you think he can use all your past mistakes for good to help others who are struggling? Let me say this. I used to think that the bad, stupid things I did when I was a teenager, before I was a Christian, were bad, right? And in a sense, that they were stupid, bad. But now I look at them very differently. I look at them as good. Do you know why I look at them as good? Two reasons. One is God used all those things, those bad things, for my good to bring me to Jesus. So those things were good because those things led me to Christ. And the other good about those things is because of the stupid mistakes I made, the life experiences I had, and all those things, God has used those things to enable me to help others. So those things that I once thought were bad are actually good. <laughs> Isn't that cool? How God turns it upside down. <laughs> How we say, this is terrible and I'm ashamed of this and blah, 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 blah. I'm woe is me. And God says, nut. <laughs> it's good. And we go, what? That's amazing. 
And so Paul says that. He says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God uses the good and the bad stuff in our lives for our good to lead us to repentance, to make us more like Jesus, and to use us to help others. You see, God doesn't focus on what you are not. He sees what you can be, and he loves you. God does not focus on what you are not. He sees what you can be, and he loves you. Isn't that wonderful? So don't put limitations on yourself or others. Because Peter tells us, everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And once we're saved, Paul tells us that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And I can absolutely vouch in my own personal walk that this has been so true in my own life. All that speckled rubbish of my past, God has used for great good, and he's made me new. I'm still a work in progress. We all are. But I can be thankful God is using that for my good. So friends, you can forgive yourself and let go of your past. You can. Do you know why? Because God has. <laughs> and who are you to argue with God? <laughs> So let me encourage you to do that. Forgive yourself and live wholeheartedly for him. Now, we've covered a lot of ground today, haven't we? I was worried, oh man, there's a lot of stuff in here, but I hope it's encouraged you. <laughs> we've covered a lot of ground today, but I think you've got the point, right? God doesn't place limitations on you. Instead, he empowers you by his spirit to serve him and others, to preach the gospel and to make his name known to the world. So don't Limit yourself. The only limitations you put on yourself is you put them on yourself. God does not. So let's correct our wrong thinking with God's right thinking. With God's right thinking. Let's let the truth set our minds free. So let me say this to you today. Why don't you step out in faith today and serve him wholeheartedly in whatever he leads you to do? Because God's grace and his spirit has no limits. Isn't that awesome? I want to close with these words from uh, a, a movie you may have seen called The Greatest Showman. Uh, some of you might have said, I love that film. I, like That is the best film with um, Hugh Jackman, and I just say, go watch it, okay? Do yourself a favor. Um, and, and, and it's a musical. And, and there's a song called A Million Dreams in that movie. And uh, I'm going to sing it to you now, so forgive me if I'm not a... It's not an aria. You can block your ears because I'll read it again in a moment. Um, okay. <clears throat> Here we go. I think of what the world could be, a vision of the one I see. A million dreams is all it's going to take. A million dreams for the world we're going to make. Okay. And for my next number, um, did you hear the words though? Okay, listen to the words. I want you to put God in the perspective of this. Obviously, it's God's not it, but I want you to put God in there. Think of what, I think of what the world could be, okay, with what God could do. A vision of the one I see, the world that I see in God's economy, 
a, a world without limits. A million dreams is all it's going to take. A million dreams for the world we're going to make. You know, we can dream big for God. And if we follow His will, He can use us mightily. A world without limits. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much that your grace has no limits. That the Spirit living in us when we trust in Christ is unlimited. In us, Lord, we, we, we have heard today that, that you can use us for whatever you call us to, that you can enable us to do whatever you call us to do. Lord, and we know we are all called to share the good news with others and to serve you. So, Lord, we pray you would make it clear to us what is it you want us to do. And, Lord, in the meantime, help us to step out in faith as we share with others, as we, as we overcome the fear of, of perhaps sharing with members of our family or, or people at work. Lord, give us the victory by the power of your Spirit to live without limits. We thank you that because of your Spirit, we are not limited, no matter who we are. And we thank you for that wonderful, wonderful truth. Lord, thank you for your goodness and the good news of the gospel that sets us free. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen.